Well, hello and welcome to the first part of our midweek sermons. Um, my name's Sam, for those of you who don't know me, and with my wife Anna, we are part of the All Saints team, but we've, uh, we're planting a church down at Barking Riverside, which is a new development on the edge of the Thames. And uh, the word I'm going to bring tonight, uh, or today, is from Matthew chapter 6, so you can find that in your Bibles right now. Uh, But before we begin, I just want to pray. Father, I thank you that you are good, that you are God, and that you are with us right now. And wherever we're watching this, whatever's going on, I pray, would you come by your Spirit, make us aware of your presence, And would you teach us from your word in this time that we would know you more and be more like you. And let the words I speak be your words to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the passage we're going to be reading is from Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read from verses 1 to 18. And this was part of the series we were going to be doing uh, on Sundays. Everything's a bit different right now, isn't it? But as I was praying through this, I feel there is quite a strong word uh, for each of us right in this moment. So let's just read it. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who is in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, 
that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now these are quite strange times that we're living in right now, and it's been said a lot. We're hearing it all over the place. And uh, in some ways, this is quite an apt passage for the current situation. It's telling us that we need to give, we need to be generous and kind, which we do need to do. It's telling us that when you pray, go inside and shut the door and pray in secret. It's good social distancing. And then it's telling us even when we fast, we need to keep uh, washing. Don't let yourself get dirty. Make sure you wash, you use your oil, uh, you use your soap and all that you need. It's quite apt in some ways, uh, but it's apt in a deeper way as well. Because I don't know about you, but I'm finding this a strange and uh, unsettling time. It's an, it's an unprecedented situation is the term that's been used. It's a, a global and a national emergency that we're facing. And yet it's affecting each of us in quite different ways. So for some of us, if we're really honest, at worst it's kind of a mild inconvenience. For others of us, especially those who are more introverted amongst us and maybe don't have young kids at home and things like that, it's almost quite a nice time. The pace of life is having to slow down. We've got to do some different things. Slightly frustrating, you can't get what you want in the supermarkets, but otherwise it's all right. And then there's others of us where it's actually terrifying. Those of us where we know that if we catch this thing, it can be life-altering if not worse. And then there's others of us, thousands across our nation, who are actually engaged in a battle, trying to fight this thing. And just on Friday, I was ringing around the different people who form part of our kind of fledgling community down at Barking Riverside. There's only about 20, maybe two dozen of us max. And, and calling around with some people, we were just joking about what it's like to be cooped up with the kids. Uh, and for others, actually... Speaking to one guy who uh, works in the NHS in A&E, and he was saying, this is like going into battle against an invisible enemy, and you don't know if you're going to have the right ammunition, the right equipment that you need. You don't know what you're going to bring back home to your kids or your family, if it's even safe for you to come back to your family. And it's a, it's a crazy situation to find ourselves in. And it begs the question for us, how are we meant to respond? What are we meant to do differently? This is a moment of resetting. It's a resetting for everyone. The things that we trusted, the things that were defaults, the things that we knew would happen, we would go to work, we would go to school, we would have our food in the supermarkets, all these different things. Suddenly, they're put on hold, they stop, they change. We've got to work out how to live differently as a family, as, as companies, as communities. And it's a resetting especially for us as the church, or at least just as much for us as the church, trying to work out what does it look like to worship God and be a church community when we can't gather together. I'm standing in a church building right now, and in front of me I have two people, and that's it. <laughs> and yet I know that potentially more people are going to be listening to this than would have done if it was just normal proceedings on a Sunday night. This is unprecedented times. It's a moment of reset. And the other word that I've heard people say a lot for us is this is a moment of opportunity for the church. 
It's a, an opportunity for us to, to wake up. There's a crisis in our nation and in our communities that is affecting everyone. And now is the time, more than any other time, for the rubber to hit the road and for us to see what are we really made of. What actually is our faith? You know, it's easy to fake being a Christian when you gather with a few hundred people on a Sunday, but what about faking being a Christian when you're cooped up at home with your young family, when you're just bombarded with messages of the crisis happening around our nation, and you're wondering, what does it look like for me to be a Christian in this time? Where does God fit into this? What is my life now meant to look like? What difference Am I meant to make? This is a moment of reset. It is a moment of opportunity for us to connect in different ways with community. It's a a moment where, if we're honest, even those, maybe you're watching this and you don't even know if you believe in God or not, but it's starting to make you question because the things that you did know for sure are now shaken. There is a moment now where we are looking for something that is more secure than what we thought was secure for us. And it is true that as Christians who know Jesus, we know the rock. We know the Savior. We know the answer. We know the one that we can lean on. And so there is an opportunity to love. There is an opportunity to share faith. And there's an opportunity to do things differently. And that's where this passage speaks right into us, into this situation. Because actually when Jesus is speaking... This is a pretty big moment in history as well. Because with the coming of Jesus, he is God-made man. And his message is that a new kingdom has come and a new time is here. And the passage we just read is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. One of the biggest sermons we have recorded that Jesus gave. And it starts, the setting is him having a crowd around him coming to see the miracles and hear his teaching. And he walks up on the mountainside and he sits down in a place of authority. And then he calls from the crowd his disciples to come close to him. And he begins to teach his disciples. In this new kingdom that has now come, now that God has come close and you belong to him, this is what it looks like to live in this kingdom. He's teaching his disciples in the hearing of the crowds who are suddenly interested, looking for something new. And what a picture of the moment that we're in as the church today, where I truly believe God is wanting to reset us and to turn us and to teach and speak to us. This is what it looks like to be my people. And he's speaking to us in the presence, in the hearing of a nation who are now turning and asking, what is going on? What do we do? Where is the answer? And in the middle of this sermon, Jesus turns to talk about what it looks like for uh, the individual religious life. What does a holy person, what does a person belonging to God look like? Of of what does their life consist? And he talks about giving. He talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. And what is fascinating is the way that he is speaking is challenging. His words are deeply challenging challenging to how the religious life was understood at the time, but he's not challenging the things that they were doing. 
He's not saying to them, look, you thought that the religious life meant you had to do X, Y, Z, but actually you need to do this, that, and the other. He says to them, no, look, you should still be giving. You do need to still be praying. You do need to still be fasting. He's expecting us to do these things, the same things. But the reset that he's bringing, the challenge that he's bringing, is that how we do them and who we do them for should be completely different. And so in verse 1 of our passage, he says, Beware. This is a warning. It's a strong word of warning. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. There's a warning for us right now, which is that as we explore how we do our faith differently, do life differently, do church differently in this scenario, who are we doing it for? Are we doing it for others to see? Or are we doing it for our Father to receive a reward from Him? I think it's quite challenging. And let me just share for you a bit of my last week. And maybe, I don't know, I'm a a church leader trying to plant a new church in a new community. So I don't know uh, if this is just me or if this affects others in different places, but I've got a feeling it may. But for me, if I'm honest, um, about a week ago, I was following coronavirus on the news and all of that, but it hadn't really hit home just how big this was. And then uh, me and my wife had sat down to watch TV, have a glass of wine, and I got a phone call from my best mate from growing up. Uh, and he, um, he is an amazing guy who has a massive heart to make a huge difference uh, and, and really to change the world. And he's the kind of guy who just may well do it. And he rang up just to, to sound something uh, biased, really, and saying, look, um, don't, think, don't think the response right now is right. We need to be doing more. How do we mobilize our community to do more? How do we get people out there connecting with, uh, with the vulnerable and with the elderly and with all that? And he had such an intensity, such an earnestness that we needed to do something to solve the crisis that it kind of woke me and my wife up and we started looking at, actually, yeah, you're right. We need to do something. How are we going to respond? And then it was just in the next couple of days that things suddenly ramped up and social distancing started to come in and, and there were different changes that were starting to happen. And then, um, and then we began as churches to discuss how do we respond to this? And we're surrounded by churches who have got a, a lot of resource and a lot of different uh, things they're able to do. Um, and we don't have that in our situation But we began to see the the amazing kind of mobilizing that's happening through things like the viral kindness hashtags and the the cards being put through neighbors' doors and helplines being set up and food being donated to food banks. And we need to be doing that and doing that more and more. But what came onto us was this sense of, man, everything we can see everyone doing, we somehow need to replicate and we need to do that. And something stirred up in me of hearing all the stuff on the news of national crisis and how, and just the kind of emergency that we are in, and the sense that we want to do something about it. And if I'm honest, I began to respond out of a place of activism. 
We're not doing all of that kind of activity anymore that we can't do in current circumstances. So let's find a whole load of other things that we push into instead. And I began to realize that actually in a time where if anything we need to be praying more than we've ever prayed before, I'm getting in danger of praying less. Not least because I now have a four-year-old and one-year-old at home all the time. One of our reactions that we could have in the face of a situation like this is this desire to somehow be the Savior. This desire to not miss this amazing, apparently, opportunity that we have for people to hear the gospel. This desire to to be seen to make a difference. And the way that we respond to this situation can be purely with our eyes on what are other people thinking? What do other people see? And the other way that we could respond to this is simply in fear, at worst in apathy. I was going to say at best, but maybe that's even worse than fear in some ways. But just to lock ourselves down, hide away, and be totally withdrawn from it all as much as possible to us. I do believe there's an opportunity and a reset, and something different God is doing. But I don't believe it's an opportunity of something that the church must do. I believe it's an opportunity of something that God is doing in our nation. Even in the world, waking up his church to do what? Not to get more busy in different things, but waking up his church to realize that we need him and to come pursuing him where he is. So if you look at this, what we need right now is this reward from our Father in heaven. We need a move of God in our nation. We need God to be moving in his church and in his people. And not just in big gatherings and big services where we can all feel that there's something happening. But we need that genuine awakening of every heart in our homes and in our streets and in the different places that we find ourselves. And I do wonder if the opportunity that we have at this time isn't actually so much an opportunity for us to reach people in different ways, though that will be an overflow of it. But it's an opportunity for us to pursue him and to realize our dependency on Father God. And so in this passage, the things that are repeated again and again is Jesus saying that our Father is the one who sees in secret. And our Father is the one who is in secret. So in this first verse, he's described as Father who is in heaven. And then when he comes to talk about prayer, he says, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and your Father, not just who sees what happens in secret, but your Father who is in the secret place, will meet with you and be with you. And he is the one who will reward you. There is a call for us, a reminder for us, That Father God who is in heaven is in the secret place. And will we pursue him and find him there? If there's an opportunity for anything at this moment, it's an opportunity to run to him in the secret place and find 
that in this place at home, in this place, wherever we are, God Almighty, who is Father in heaven, is present here too. And so the challenge that I feel for myself and that I hope that we'll kind of embrace, you have the initial week or so of, of where things have changed so quickly. There's no rhythm, there's no pattern, it's all so new. We're just trying to work out how you survive at home with your kids or how you care for those who are vulnerable. And we've got to work out the practicalities, but then my prayer for us is that there's something in our hearts that that decides, you know, I don't want to just get caught up in trying to do life differently. I don't want to get caught up in just looking at social media. What is every other Christian, every other church, every other organization doing? But I want to make space in this to genuinely pursue Father and find, can I really find him? In the secret place. Can you and I really find the God of heaven in our lives for ourselves where we are? We can't rely on the energy of a gathering on a Sunday to make us feel something. We have to pursue him for ourselves. And so Jesus says, giving, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. These are meant to be marks of a life that are pursuing the Father and living in confidence that he sees us and is present. But they look a bit different to what we could end up getting into. When you give, give in secret. Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What's that about? This is giving that isn't calculated. We don't just give because there's an emergency and we have to do something about it. We don't give for a cause and effect. We don't give to solve the problem. We give because we're children of our Father in heaven. We're so confident of his love. We're so shaped by his passion for people that it overflows in a generosity out of us that we care for those around us and we want to give from that place. Is our giving from that place? Or is our giving marked by a fear and then we give the extra? Or we're just so overwhelmed by the emergency and we think we've got to solve it. That we give out of fear or we give out of pressure. Let the gravity and the size of the situation push us into Father God so we get our confidence from him. When you pray, go into the secret place and find that in that place is your Father. And then don't babble, babble, babble. Don't try and work something up and make something happen in that place. You know, even when I'm today talking about a call into prayer and finding his presence, that's not meant to put us into striving and and pray better than you've ever prayed before. That's saying, look, we've got nothing else. This, we're in a situation so totally beyond us. Just come into your, just make space to be with him. And in that place, acknowledge our Father who is in heaven is in the secret place with us. Ask him to make you aware of his presence and then begin to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. 
And the Lord's Prayer, I hope it's refreshed for us in this time that the things that we need, we don't be anxious about. We ask and he gives. And we're praying for his kingdom. You know, the only one who can solve this is Father God. The only one who can make a difference really is him. And prayer is not a passive. It's part of the sickness of the church in recent years that we sometimes think that prayer is a passive act compared to the action of actually doing something. But prayer in this time needs to be warfare of asking his kingdom to come. And what you hear on the news, what you know from your communities, what you know from your families, what you know is going on that just can feel overwhelming, turn those to prayer Not in fear, but in confidence that we have a Father who can move. And let's pray that he would come, but prayer does something else. Some of the most challenging verses are these, verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Father will forgive you. And if you don't forgive them, your Father won't forgive you. There's a call in the secret place. The challenge of it, the vulnerability, why we often avoid it is that it's a place where we have nothing hidden from God, where we see who we really are. And in this moment, locked in our homes or pushed into pressured situations, feeling lack and feeling out of our depth, is a moment we're going to see what is in us more than any other time. And we're going to see what is in those around us. I saw it just yesterday where we finally got out of the house. We went to Rain and Marshes. It's the safest, most open space around us. And within 10 minutes of being there, my little four-year-old had fallen in the car park and cut open his knee. And then I put him on my shoulders. Five minutes later, I tripped over the buggy and dropped him on his head. Not a great moment. And what came out of me, what was squeezed out of me in that time was not pleasant to see. And that's a small example of the things that are going to be squeezed out of us in relationships that have been tense, in family situations that have been hard, in things that have been places of fear but we've avoided by going out and doing other things and now we're pushed face to face with those situations. This is a moment where my prayer for us is that we will have confidence to take those things to Father God and to ask for his forgiveness from him and from those in our families and those around us. A moment where we receive forgiveness and where we give it. And a moment of healing in us. Because what we are meant to become as children of God is people who are so confident of our Father's presence and his love that we are free to come to him free to come just as we are and to be open before him. And that we find for ourselves that he meets with us and heals us, forgives us and loves us. And then we become those who offer that forgiveness, that generosity, that love and that grace to others. So my prayer in this time is that this will be an opportunity for God to do everything he wants to do in us. That we won't fall into fear, we won't fall into activism, we won't fall into a false sense that we have to solve the situation, but instead we will have a hunger for the reality of God's presence in our lives. And that for each of us, wherever we are, 
will take maybe even just small steps to say, Father, I want to find you for real in me, in my family, in my place, in my household, in all that we face right now. So would you reveal yourself to us? So as we close, I just want to pray for us. And it might be that wherever you are right now, you want to sit, close your eyes, just turn your attention to God and maybe open your hands out to him. It's just a simple way of saying, Lord, I want you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will fill the rooms and the places that each of us are in this moment. And I pray, God, that you drown out the noise and distractions of social media and fear and pressure. And Lord, you'd help us tune in to hearing your voice. And in this moment, give you an opportunity to make a choice. And to say, Father God, I choose to seek you in this time. And I ask you to show me the reality of your presence with me where I am. And if you're praying for the first time, then simply ask him, God, I don't really know you right now, but would you show yourself to me? Or maybe you've known him for a long time. But this is a moment to say, God, in the midst of all that is happening, don't let me miss the opportunity of finding you and letting you do what you want in me. So Father God, I trust you. Father God, I want you. And I give you permission to have your way in me. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you for listening. And I pray that in this coming week, you genuinely will know God's presence with you where you are. And I hope that you'll tune into the other things that we do that they'll build you up, that they'll help you find him, and that God can do all that he wants to do in you and through you in this time. Thank you. See you later.